Ross and I are back at it again, but this time we're talking about defensive HBCU prospects that would fit with the Saints. And Gerald Huggins, the HBCU, joins as we keep on going with Big Five and our top 10 draft-eligible HBCU player list. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. With more odds, props, and lines than ever before, BetOnline has you covered for everything that you need this season. BetOnline, where the game starts. And if you remember just a couple of days ago, me and Ross, we talked about offensive HBCU prospects that could fit with the New Orleans Saints. Now Ross and I are back again, but we're talking about defensive players from the HBCU ranks that could fit with the New Orleans Saints. And we're talking mostly about our guy. Yes, I said it, Ross. Our guy. Marquise Bell out of FAMU. All right, Darian, listen, you, uh, you know, we've, we've talked offense. Now we're going to talk defense and you've come at me. You've come at me about this guy a couple times mm-hmm. saying, I've been stealing That's your thunder. I'm stealing your draft takes everything like that. So here's your chance to hold my feet to the fire and talk a little bit about let's I'll, I'll, I'll be nice. I'll call him your guy for right now. Uh, FAMU safety, Marquise Bell, uh, how he potentially fits in on the new Orleans saints over on the defensive side. First off, you're just being accurate. You're not being nice. You're being accurate. Okay. That is my guy. <laughs> All right. Now, I wish I could flip this camera. I have my favorite number is five. I've been very open about my love for the number five. I have a five jersey hanging up in my room because that was my oh, little league so number. It has my name on it. Yes. So that is my guy, Marquise Bell, number five out of FAMU. But this is not about me. This isn't about you. This is about one of the best safeties in the FCS. This guy is so freaking talented and i just did an episode about him on monday where Mm -hmm. i was talking about how i felt like he had kind of fell down draft boards but he had a really good combine and we'll talk about him as a player but i want to first show some of the traits that i think made people go back to the film and see what he's really about and that is the fact that he ran a 4-4-140 there was some draft profiles from um lance zerline i believe who said he had tight hips won the field work he kind of got rid of that. He showed to have really good hips, and I think that went a long way because I said something. I think it might be controversial, but you have to hear me out. All right. The, All right. Here we go. The, emphasize, the emphasis on the coverage of HBCUs, the timing of it, I think kind of hampered or changed the way people think about Marquise Bell. Oh, that for sure. Sounds for sure. No, that no, sounds no, ridiculous. That sounds ridiculous. But the fact is, In this season, he was a run-stopping machine, had 15 tackles on multiple occasions. Yes, he can do that. But people don't value those kind of safeties like they used to. They just Mm -hmm. do not. And it's something that I've been very vocal about on Locked On HBCU, right? 
But in the year prior, in 2019, he had five interceptions, led to MIAC in interceptions. So it was a situation where he can do both, but all eyes were on the HBCU landscape and Marquise Bell when he was doing what I perceived to be the mm. less valued mm -hmm. attribute. So I think right. that some people just say he's a run stopper as if he can't play in coverage. Maybe not a single high, but definitely a two deep safety set. I think he could do that a lot. That's a really, really good point, right? When did we start paying a ton of attention to these draft prospects, especially after last year when no HBCU talent was taken in the draft at all? We expect that to change dramatically this year. That's a really, really great point. And I think that like you look at Marquise Bell's skill set, even as a guy that can play in the box, but that can also cover. And you know where that gives me value when I look at the New Orleans Saints? It's in the Malcolm Jenkins role. Malcolm yes. Jenkins did something really, really interesting this offseason to where he, he let the last two years of his contract, this year in 2023, took a pay cut all the way down to vet minimum, but didn't restructure his contract, right? There was nothing else that he did there. That tends to signal or has signaled in the past. Maybe that there's some retirement being mulled a little bit here. Uh, and if that's the case, a guy like Marquise Bell makes a ton of sense to either immediately plug into that role or plug into that role for a year behind a stopgap or something like that. Get adjusted to the NFL speed, stuff like that. Things that are good for all college players, not just HBCU players. And so I think that that's really and, – and you tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like that's the place where he fits really well. He can play in the box. He can play in the slot. And you can use him in those zone deep coverages as a split safety and cover two, cover four situations. Yeah, that is exactly where he fits. And I want to speak on the Malcolm Jenkins situation because not mm -hmm. only did he do that, he also has said from his mouth that he considers retirement. I think mm -hmm. every year was how he said it. Right. You, retire, you consider retirement every year. It's on the horizon. You know, you compare that to a guy like Demario Davis. We're not talking about him, but Demario Davis, I'm not thinking about retirement. Right. You can look at Demario Davis likely being here for the foreseeable future maybe even getting a new contract with the way he's talking as long as his, the play continues to be constant but Malcolm Jenkins is a guy who they're talking about maybe leaving if not this year next year and if it's Marquise Bell in this role I actually hope it's next year because Malcolm Jenkins mm. aside from everything that he does off the field which is oh my gosh amazing mm -hmm. but he also is an absolute leader on the field in a great absolutely and he's, he's extremely smart as well and he's somebody who can show the game to Marquise Bell. He's a phenomenal person to learn behind because when I look at Bell, he has a lot of aggression and a lot mm -hmm. of times aggression can be used, you know, kind, maybe kind of against you. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you might be too aggressive playing a, a the run, get caught up, right. maybe playing the coverage in the back end. That can happen, but learning from um, Malcolm Jenkins, who I believe is really, you know, played a big part in having less coverage breakdowns in that New Orleans Saints secondary since he's been around. I think that he's a guy who could really benefit from that. I, I really do believe that if Marquise Bell has a year behind Malcolm Jenkins, we would see one of the best Marquise Bells that we would be able to see. You know, I'm a Marvel guy, so you're talking about variants, right? All these different <laughs> types of Marquise Bells. But the Marquise Bell that gets to sit for a year behind Malcolm Jenkins, I like that variant. I That's do. a fantastic point. That's a fantastic point. I would love to see that. Listen, um, we'll just call Marquise Bell our guy. How about that? Fam, you, safety, Marquise Bell. He's our I like, guy. And I like you. you my guy. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll call him my guy. Yeah, we'll, we'll shake on it. We'll shake on it. <laughs> yeah. um, and hopefully everybody that's listening to this now talks to or watching this now talks about Marquise Bell as their guy 
too, because I yeah. do think he'll continue to rise and he would be a great fit in New Orleans. You talked uh, last episode that you came that you know, we we did this together. You talked a little bit about like positions of interest as opposed to you know holes or things that need to be filled. You look at the defensive positions across the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Mike Clay, ESPN, who does sort of position rankings for all teams as they go through free agency in the offseason, has the Saints tied as a number one defense in the NFL based on personnel. And they have one spot that seemed to be a question mark, which ranked, I believe it was 19th, while everything else was top 10, safety, DB, off-ball linebacker, all that, edge rusher even. I think they were second when it came to edge rusher. And so I think it was DT, interior defensive lineman, they were at 19. So you look at that as probably a position of interest. Are there other positions of interest in your mind when it comes to the Saints? And who are the uh, defensive players at those spots that Saints fans need to know about? Yeah, so I think let's start off with the back end because we're already talking about it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Marquise Bell. And let there there is a Malcolm Jenkins replacement possibly on the team. However, I don't know if they want to go that route. For years since Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has been around, I thought he might end up being the replacement for Malcolm Jenkins. Mm-hmm. However, Chauncey has really settled in in that slot role, so I would understand why they would want to keep him there. Now, right. let's say that they do decide to put him there behind Malcolm Jenkins. I think Kobe Durant would be a great guy to fill his spot. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit more of a coverage guy than I think Chauncey is. I think Chauncey is a good cover guy, but he excels more in run support. Kobe Durant is going to give you the more, I think, prototypical nickel. I know the Saints use a lot of three safeties, now three corner sets, depending on how you want to really label Chauncey. Right. He's more of a nickel corner who's going to be there for coverage, but he would be a good guy to slot there. Another guy, now this is your guy. This is your yeah. guy, yes. Joshua yeah, yeah. Williams. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it to me. Part of me doesn't <laughs> want him on the squad, uh-huh. only because I want him to like really Play. showcase right <laughs> you know here but here he would be really good because you have Roby you have Adebo and you have Lattimore but after that who do you really trust to be on the outside give right. me a great piece for depth but I want to get to that Mike Clay point of interest and I have some stats here that I want to read out for one of my favorite players from the HBCU combine and mm-hmm. that was Keyshawn James mm-hmm. and he's kind of a tweener out of Fayetteville State Joshua Williams his teammate mm-hmm. in 2017 his first year he's a freshman he had eight and a half tackles for a loss he increased it to 12 and a half, 16, 23 and a half his senior year. You see him continuously rising and rising. In that 2021 year, he was the CIAA Defensive Player of the Year. Let's go to sacks because he's not just a run stopper. Mm-hmm. In the sacks, he had a sack and a half. Then he went to eight. Then he went to nine and a half. Then he went to 10 and a half. You saw that big <laughs> jump from the moment from freshman to sophomore year. Yeah. So I just want to read those. In addition to having two or four forced fumbles, in both this last season and 2021 in the year prior in 2020. And I just wanted to make sure that I highlighted him because this is a guy who I think could really shoot the gap. I think that he's a guy who can play both outside and inside. Once again, the theme of of versatility uh, comes up again, just like on the offensive line, the defensive line is the same. I think that Keyshawn James is a guy, I don't think he's going to get drafted. But if you bring him in as an undrafted free agent, and we've seen what kind of luck that the Saints have had with undrafted tackles, mm-hmm. defensive tackles specifically, yep. Yep. I think he continued that run. He's been really good, and he's gotten better every year, which is a quality that I love in my collegiate players. Love to see that. I was talking about a wide receiver in uh, in college that did the opposite, who had you know this breakout year as a true freshman, Justin Ross out of Clemson. Yes. And then yes. just trickled off. And I know he dealt with injury. And then, of course, like the quarterback quality changed over time, but just not like 
declined every year as opposed to growing every year like we see. It's hard to be excited about that. Yeah, It's just hard to be excited about that player as opposed to the other way around. And Justin Ross might end up being fantastic. It's just just hard to rally the table around that guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really good piece of insight on that. Uh, Darian, always a pleasure. I'm sure we're going to be talking again as the draft gets closer and closer. We're now less than a month away from the NFL draft. And just to close this out, we talked and we made mention of it before. No HBCU players taken in the draft last year. Clearly, that's changing this year, right? A hundred percent. I think I think that you have at least four, maybe five. I think you probably have five Um, between five or seven. I can mm-hmm. I can get my list narrowed down. But I think the four that were invited to the combine are going to make it. Mm-hmm. I think Aquil Glass is going to make it. And I think James Houston has a has a chance of getting in sure. there as well um, out of Jackson State. So that's six players right there, I think, that are going to get drafted. And as we get closer, who knows? Make sure you're checking out where every, every Thursday we do top 10 draft HBCU players. And we're on number five this week. So Next week will be four, and we'll be counting down all the way down to the draft. So you'll be able to get some of those guys, some insight from our guy, Gerald Huggins, out of draft HBCU. You just heard us break down in a conversation just detailing how Marquise Bell could really fit with the Saints. And now with Malcolm Jenkins' retirement that happened after we recorded that segment, I mean, I can't see any other reason why Marquise Bell would not fit. I love it. I love it. But we're going to be talking about some more players from the HBCU ranks, mainly James Houston, a.k.a. The Problem. Let's see if that name actually fits him. But first, I want to tell you about Athletic Greens because, listen, I've been taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to help with my gut health. And I also just wanted a supplement that tasted good, right? Because if you take care of your body, it's a temple. and You also want something that's going to be, you know, easy to put down and athletic greens is definitely that with one scoop just a singular scoop they are providing you with 75 high quality vitamins mineral whole food source superfoods and probiotics listen this is the best way to start off your day because i personally like to take it at the beginning of my day either right before i eat breakfast or right after just because it helps me feel like my body is just rolling and going on the right track throughout the day now they have 7000 five-star reviews. So don't just take my word for it. It takes 7,000 people. We can't all be lying to you, (laughs) right? I want you to go to athleticgreens.com slash college, and they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash college. Now, I also want to tell you about Stat Hero because listen, with Stat Hero, I understand that so many people get enamored with trying to have this perfect bracket. Most people will not. Nobody I know or have ever known has had a perfect bracket. It just doesn't happen. Not often. With Stat Hero, don't worry about it. Don't, don't sulk about having your bracket be busted. Go to stathero.com and you'll be able to vote or, excuse me, bet on individual games. And also in a cool little feature that they have in which it's a mix of fantasy and betting, you can choose lineups that you want to play against, choose five players that you want to play against, and then you can play against them with five players of your own choosing. So it's no more, uh, I don't really know Duke, but I, I want to bet on them. No, you're choosing five individual players that you actually know. So you're putting money down on people that you feel like you can actually bet on. That's the best feature. No more guessing when you're doing it. Go to com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a, for an 100% deposit match. Once again, 
That is stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for an 100% deposit match. All right, as we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, we have Gerald Huggins here, and he's talking about James Houston, a.k.a. The Problem. And I just want to know, is this a fitting name for somebody of his caliber? I only think that it's appropriate that for Big Five, my favorite number, that we only kick it off with this guy that we really connected off of, and that's Houston. They call him the problem. Why do they call this man the problem? Is it an appropriate nickname for him? Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. He's the most versatile defensive player in the draft. Shoot, you might be able to put him in strong safety. I don't know. The guy just seems to be good at everything he does on the football field. It's amazing to watch. And, you know, from the simple standpoint of just the physical attributes, he's six feet tall with an 83-inch reach. His reach is pretty much for someone that's about six foot four, six foot five. Guy's a freak. And we know we can get deeper into his uh, numbers at his pro day, but that the tape is there. The eye test yeah. is there. What else do you need at this point? <laughs> yeah, well, you, you mentioned it. Something Sometimes some people need those pro day numbers, right? I, the, t- the eye test can be there. The, the tape can be there. But for some reason, and maybe it's just prisoner of the moment, we become attached to these pro day numbers. Well, what does his pro day number say about him? Oh my god, I think he had a 39 inch was it 39 inch vert over nine and a half on his broad. Uh, I forgot what I think it was 40 was like I think it was sub four six, sub four six forty or whatever that may be. <laughs> I'm good because in the, the day he could play inside linebacker in a four three or three four scheme. He could play the Sam Will in a four three scheme and he can play the outside edge rusher in a 4-3 or a 3-4 scheme, but he's probably, you know, suitable, more suitable for something else. I mean, for a 3-4 outside linebacker, but I mean, the, the stats just pretty much just show why he was able to dominate the way he has, you know, and plus he did this, he did this before he even got to the HBCU level. That's, and that's a perfect segue and exactly what I want to talk about. Before he did get to the HBCU level, he was at Florida. What are you seeing from his Florida? I didn't know he was as good of a pass rush. Like, see, it showed it was glimpses of it, you know. But when he got to Jackson, you know, this pass rush, I'm like, where does can where does this come from? But when he was at University of Florida, he was just so versatile. He could drop back into coverage. He is a good tackler, really solid tackler, considering. Now, you usually don't get edge rushers aren't really you think of like sure tacklers, but the fact that he and on his University of Florida table, was able to be a short tackler. He was able to break on the ball so fast. And he seemed like he was very smart when it came to the coverage. This is like this is like a diamond in the rough to have someone that's your edge rusher that can also do all these different things. And then, you know, I feel like Jackson State utilized him to the best of ability. But I think end of the day, they was like, listen, James, we need you to rush the passer because you are best pass rusher. So just do what you do. And that led to him being number two in the FCS. And <laughs> it's just yeah. a, it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see. So I gotta ask you, how's the peck feeling? Oh, uh, it's, 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 it's it went down. The swollen went down. Um, 
I my kids been begging me to lift, um, but I told them give me another week and I'll get back into it. I feel good though. They feel good. All right. uh, feel yeah. good enough to demonstrate what's without hurting yourself. What's, <laughs> what's, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I ain't never let you live it down. All right. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. We can, All right. We can. If you even have to, man. So <laughs> we got our arm right. We can demonstrate. We can show everything. Mm -hmm. What is in James Houston's pass rush toolbox? He is a speed rusher, in my opinion. So sometimes it just comes to him just picking a spot in the backfield. You pick a spot between three to five yards in the backfield. You just look at that spot and you beat the offensive lineman to that spot. And, for some, you know, not even for some reason. He's consistently be able to do that. But he also has some other moves that he gets from, well, he's another Chuck Smith guy, just like Deshaun Dixon. Mm -hmm. He's a Chuck Smith guy. been trained with uh, Chuck Smith down there in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, when you come out of Chuck Smith camp, you will have to know how to do a cross chop. And, honestly, he's another guy. He can long arm and bull because, well, even at six feet tall, his arms are longer than the guy that's going to be blocking him, which is still insane to think about. Because you just don't have six feet tall guys that have 83 inch reach. That's just that I don't think people understand how hard that is to block. Because usually, you know, off of the tackle, they lock on to a six foot, six foot one edge rusher, but you know, 79 inch reach, which is long. That's not short. It's just when you have 83, that's just like think of like John Bone, uh, John Bones Jones has, I think he has like 83 or 84 or something. So mm -hmm. Just think of that. You see how hard it is to get inside on him. So you look at a guy named James Houston. Once he gets his hands on first, which he does, even in his pass rushing, officer tackles can't get to his chest. And he has an really nice club. His swipe is really good. His double swipe is good. Um, I do like his – I think he could do a spin a little bit more because he has the ability to make his officer lineman turn and make give him that 50-50 where their back is literally just towards the quarterback and their feet aren't uh, staggered. So he gets them to that point where they're now they're basically either backpedaling like, oh, or they're just trying to just turn and run to just stop him from getting to the quarterback. And at that point, he just stops his, he stops his momentum, breaks down, goes inside. So I think his pass, he's only going to get better as a pass rusher, which is scary to think. And, you know, the more moves and, and then I, honestly, we don't know where he's going to play. These, yeah. I think he's on, he's on the, I can't even think of a, I'm trying to think of a, a defender that's as versatile as him. And I'm just, I'm struggling. And I've tried. I'm just trying to think of someone that's six foot, 240-something pounds, that fast, that athletic, and with those long limbs. I'm just, I, I'm trying, maybe, maybe I'll get one to you in a few weeks. But right now, I'm just really struggling okay. to find a good comparison for him. All right, so you just heard Gerald with a slightly better peck. <laughs> I'm never going to let him live that one down. But you you heard him just able to detail James Houston's pass rush toolbox. I really do love those kind of things, those conversations. But let's see what else he has outside of just being a pass rusher. Let's talk a little bit of versatility. And speaking of versatility, you know it's versatile. I'm talking about Built Bars because it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And honestly, if that's what you want to use it for, something that just tastes good, it does that as well. I haven't told you this in a minute, but it is the Swiss Army knife of all protein bars because, A, it has the health benefits because that's 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 net carbs. So you get all that protein and not much of sugar and net carbs. So you love that for your health benefits. Body's a temple, right? 
but then you can also just get it to be tasty because it's covered in chocolate and if you want to go eat if you want to take it even a step farther then you could talk about the built bar puffs that's covered in chocolate and has marshmallows and all of those same benefits if you just want a snack hey get it it tastes good that's what it is man it is so versatile. It is the Swiss Army knife of protein bars. And you know where to find it at built.com. And I want to save you a little money. So come here. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your offer. All right, we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU. We're going to be talking about James Houston, not just as a pass rusher, but just the versatility and something special, because if you can play all over the field, you are only that much more valuable. You just mentioned the comparison. Well, if you ask Coach Deion Sanders, I'll throw a guy out there and I'll see what you think about it. And Coach Deion Sanders says that a comparison for James Houston's style of play and James Houston as a player will be Cowboys defensive weapon, Micah Parsons. What do you think? How, how are you feeling about the Parsons-Houston comparison? Okay, I see it. Um, you know, uh, to my knowledge, that Parsons went into Penn State as a defensive lineman, as an edge rusher, then they converted him to linebacker. Then he went like the reverse James Houston. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what? That's not bad. I think Micah, you know, Michael Parsons may be – a tad bit of a of a better athlete. I mean, you know, you that big run the four three. I mean, that's and then this crazy part. His teammate, who's also an edge rusher, ran a four three as well at two hundred fifty pounds. I don't know what they're drinking at Penn State. Something that I probably should have drunk back in twenty eleven. But anyway, so you know, listen, this I could I could take that because when it comes to versatility. But I think even James Houston may be he may be slightly better at the 4-3 linebacker spot than Micah Parsons is, slightly, because he's older. If I'm not mistaken, he's older. He has a, I think he might have some more games under his belt. And based on watching the film, he feels he seems really comfortable picking up tight ends. He's real comfortable dropping back in the zone. And, and the, you can tell he's smart. You can tell he studies the game. So, you know, and who am I? Deion Sanders says he's going to comp him to Micah Parsons. Who am I to disagree? Um, I don't disagree at all. I think that's probably the best build you could look at. I mean, they're both freak athletes, but at the end of the day, they're both two. I mean, James ha James Hughes is going to get drafted. Now, it just depends yeah. on what day, but he's going to get drafted. He's one of the more guaranteed guys. The top five is pretty much like those are the guys that are going to go. So where we, where's he going to fall? Who knows? But will he be one of the most versatile players in the NFL? For sure. Even in his first year, he just ends up being special teams, which I don't think he will because he's a really good player, and I think he will have some opportunity at least getting a third down. I mean, mm -hmm. it's hard. Yeah, it's just hard to keep a guy like that on the field that can play both end spots, all three linebacker spots. In yeah, two it would be. Yeah, it's just hard to do it. So, good comp, Dion. Hey, listen, you got it, my brother. You got it. I'm oh, so sorry. Not Dion, Coach Sanders. I remember he don't like me, Coach. Sanders, sorry. That's a hard habit to break. I ain't gonna lie, I don't really break it here. If I ever were to speak to him and he would say it though, like I would, I, would break it. Uh, I need to try to break it here. But um, we spoke about his versatility, and you talk about he can play both ends, uh, all three linebackers in a all all three linebacker spots in a four three. Well, 
what does his tape say as an edge rusher as opposed to a off-ball linebacker? I feel like his tape says his athleticism would make him a better fit at the outside linebacker because he's just that more, much more athletic than the guy that's going to block him. And if he's not in a scheme that doesn't have their inside guys is complete. Like, you know, just uh, think of like when the Ravens were really good and and when the the, uh, the Niners were really good, even when the Panthers were really good, what did they have? They had two or three huge dudes in the middle and no one touched Ray, no one touched Patrick Willis, no one touched Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. So if he's in a situation like that, oh, he would thrive. He would thrive at the inside linebacker spot, Sam and Will, or in the, you know, the two inside backers in the 3-4. But if you want to put him ideally in a 3-4 situation where you're just saying, hey, James, listen, you're going to go pass rush. You're going to be on the edge. You're not going to drop back in coverage. Maybe you probably drop back in coverage maybe 25, 30% of the time. But other than that, you're just going to use your athleticism and your training that you've been getting from Chuck Smith or whoever he's been training with, even at Jackson State or even with his training from back at UF. You use that training, your athleticism, to beat the mess out of the offensive tackle every time. Because two I things like that. It's just no. It, 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 I feel bad for all the tackles sometimes because I literally watched Michael Parsons, a guy who just you know, you know, and in the night even just Michael Parsons, even James, you just watch them. It's like, dang, these guys don't have a shot. Like, these freak athletes, they're like defensive line. They had the best athletes play D line. I know I'm biased, but you are. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, man. <laughs> like. If, if if I mean who who I need who else I need to show I mean Chandler Jones and you got the Watts I mean you just look at these outside these edge guys they could probably they could probably I mean, well we've seen it with Julius Peppers just being a UNC Tar Heel playing and playing in the uh, playing in the play uh, the March Madness and stuff like that yeah I mean it's just they're just they're some good athletes I'm not gonna sit here and disrespect them they are some good athletes yeah, listen, that's for sure they're great and then you know not saying offensive tackles aren't but they have to go backwards on these pass sets. Mm-hmm. We're going forward. It's kind of reverse for oh, so. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> we we going forward. Ah! Uh, yeah, you <laughs> nah, you exposed. Nah, it's good. You know, already claimed you're biased. So yeah, 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 I'm biased. I don't care. I think all off the line and hold and have bad feet. Unless you're Trent Williams or Teron Armstead, I don't care about you. But that's me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's you know, that's my thing. I, I, I'm and I'm, I'm a stickler on that, and I'm gonna stick to it until the day I die. D line runs it, so it's kind of like a reverse. The what what cornerbacks get from receivers is what all of the linemen get from D linemen. So, you know, think of, I just think all receivers are just way too big, way too athletic for corners, and I think these D linemen are just way too big and way too athletic for these all of the linemen. I just, I mean, they're pretty much similar size. You're gonna do like. Cam Haywood, I mean, size of every guard in the NFL, and then he's more athletic than him. So, James yeah. Houston, back to him at Florida. He had a great, he had a great career there. At Jackson, he dominated. Yeah, so that was a big difference. And so, you know, what I'm saying, so that was a great difference. Honestly. What's what's gonna? I mean, what, what's literally to say that he's gonna just stop now? There's nothing that shows that he's he's met his. His peak, nothing. He's like, you know, he's a full. If he's become a full time pass edge rusher, this could get really scary. <laughs> and I want to see it. 
You know what I'm saying? So hopefully he goes to a team, you know, a three, four scheme that'll have him be able to play both. I mean, I could see like, you know, it wouldn't hurt. Maybe have him on the other side of TJ Watt. Pittsburgh. That might not be a bad spot. That's probably my favorite spot for him. Be honest with you. Just thinking of that. He could play there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I like it. You always give me good content, man. Whether that's the comparison of the of the cornerbacks and wide receivers to defense alignment and offense alignment or putting them right there next to the Steelers. I, I absolutely love it. Next week, we'll be back with number four. This is Can't Miss Content every Thursday. I hope that you're checking it out, and I hope that you're paying. Well, obviously, you're checking out. You're listening. I hope you realize it, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend because they don't want to miss this. I promise that. Gerald Huggins, Draft HBCU. We appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you once again. Gerald's always coming through with the great breakdowns, man. That's why I always enjoy doing this every Thursday. When I tell you it is can't miss content, I absolutely mean it. If you miss it, always circle back. Always make sure you're coming back to Thursdays for top 10 Thursdays. I'm going to try to make a playlist. I got to figure out how to make a playlist of that on my YouTube page so that they can all be together. In case you missed an episode, you can always come back to it. But y'all know, man, Thursdays, Fridays, does not matter. Make sure that Locked on HBCU is your first listen of the day every day. And I actually have a really special uh, podcast for tomorrow. I have a guest coming on who made some topics or made a, a comment that wasn't the best received in HBCU Twitter. I want to hear what his, his side of it is, if anything has changed for him. So you will not want to miss that. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked on NFL Draft. Eric Crocker, former NFL and AFL cornerback, right there with Ryan Tracy, giving you everything that you could possibly need for the big event in April. There's no problem in having an excess of information, and they are they are the exact podcast that you need to be listening to to get yourself educated. And y'all know the drill. In the meantime, in between time, y'all can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Holla at your boy. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.